Well, hello, this is Gary, and you're listening to Thinking Out Loud. Today, it's very early on a Sunday morning, a few days after the election, November 8th. U.S. presidential election, presidential election, which Joe Biden won. Thank, thank God. Like, for me, it's not so much a, a jubilant time cause for celebration necessarily more of a uh, sigh of relief wheel verted and full outright you know further descent into fascism that is something to be relieved of maybe not joyous about because you know the other guy the, the fascist guy still got quite a few votes I think probably um I don't know what his total will be, you know, all time, but it's probably, you know, he, he did very well. Trump did very well. He got a lot of votes, uh, I think over 70 million, but he still lost the popular vote by about 5 million. When it's all said and done, it'll be about probably about 5 million that he lost it by. So my prediction came true. Thankfully, only that prediction. Thankfully, he didn't lose the popular vote by five million and then still win the electoral college i think that would be a serious issue on our hands um you know the tempered kind of um feelings you know there is a sigh of relief donald trump is on his way out he will in the next couple months no longer be president we'll no longer have to hear about him that is a good thing for our country good thing for working class people really regardless of who you voted for um, that's a great thing about that is what I do love about democracy it's the kind of ironies that you, you pick a government that represents the people even the people that are actively trying to not have the government represent the people you still represent them you know so um, like for me, progressive, you know, you, you have a society that guarantees health care, the right to an education, basic income, um, you know, makes thing makes sure that things that need to get fixed get fixed when they need to, and invests in renewable energies. That's something that benefits people, human beings, life. You know, doesn't really matter what organization you pick or what what your political views are. Um, having certain primal concerns. Um, taken care of at least that that's a certain stress relief you know a lot of people that have to really struggle just to make enough to you know pay the rent and food buy food and all, all the sort of basic kind of things most people don't make enough to pay for all their health care costs you know out of pocket or whatever because uh, it's expensive there's a lot of added fees and such you know middlemen that are trying to get their cut and trying to earn a personal profit for themselves but trump trump that old the old con man i mean he he, he kind of he came pretty close i mean yes the popular vote was a landslide it appears like the electoral college when it's finally said and done will be a pretty big win too but there's a lot of states where it was really darn close there's a lot of people that voted for that guy. So, you know, um, it's tempered, tempered resolve. 
kind of a whoo we avoided that thank goodness um, prayers were answered which is good um, but we, we got a lot of work to do um, there's a whole bunch of folks that um, God bless them don't wish them any will, ill will but um, they're the, the filter that they're seeing the news from or the, the world through and you know that it, it's askew and, and, and they're missing things you know there, there's stuff that's either going over the head or there's information they're just not even seeing or, or, or something you know something something got missed Trump was cartoonishly bad you don't want to put him in charge of really anything of, of importance because he's going to fuck it up um, and that that's what he is you know but and you know the, the racism the sexism the, the promoting violence and, and such the pro promoting of corruption um, you know why you, you don't have to support that just because the guy's got an R next to his name and if you're a small government conservative you don't just have to vote for the R's you don't have to vote for the D's either just because you can't vote for the R's or whatever you know there's other organizations why did that many people still go with them anyway out of spite uh, anger or you know I get there's a there was a sizable portion of the Trump vote that are the diehard MAGAs kind of in the Trump cult you know that genuinely believe that Trump was sent here by God and is this like righteous person there are tens of thousands you know millions if not that uh, genuinely believe he's that kind of guy how how did they get there why do they believe that do they really believe it or are they just saying it to sort of justify their support for a fascist antichrist guy you know I think if you're you know you're a reasonably intelligent person and you you know you have faith go to church fairly regularly you know, you've learned about good and wrong right and wrong and treating others with respect and uh, forgiveness and things like that well then you you know that Trump is no good you don't need someone like me to tell you but you know that there's still a crap ton of people that voted for him anyway what is that about what, what are the true motivations how do they really see the world how do they really see other people what is their true understanding of uh, Black Lives Matter the Black Lives Matter movement. How many of them, when they hear Black Lives Matter, do they respond with All Lives Matter? You know, but, but what's all to you? you? You know, what does that mean? You know, Black Lives Matter isn't saying Black Lives, only Black Lives Matter or something. It's not saying, it just says Black Lives Matter. It's, a, you know, it, it's stating a fact. You know, it, if you're response to this, all lives matter, that, that you're missing something. You, you got kind of confused somewhere. Because Black Lives Matter is not saying that other lives don't. It's not saying that. It's just, it's like reminding that if you're saying all lives matter, included in that is yes, black lives and, and all minorities for that matter. People who are different in any way. People who are not part of the white majority or whatever. You know, there, there's a lot of different types of people in this country. And their lives matter, you know. So that movement had a very simple message and clear, you know. That it's human beings wanted to be, be 
treated like humans, you know. And, uh, you know, Trump was kind of an... How did he get... I mean, I'm, I'm sure news reports were, like, saying, like, there was, like, a bunch of African-Americans that voted Trump. I, I doubt there was that many black people that voted Trump percentage-wise. I'm sure it was still pretty darn low. You know, you can show a few pictures here and there of, you know, black people wearing a, a MAGA hat and waving a Trump flag. It does look kind of off. It, there's some, it's something askew about it. Were some of them paid or something? I, I don't know. Like, what, what the fuck's going on there? You know, what, what's the deal? Um, is it a, if you can't beat him, join him type thing? Or something, you know. I I don't know. What what is that about? Um, I don't know. But you know, every every people, no matter what group they're in, they're not. That group is not a monolith. You know, it, it's human beings. It's individual people. So, regardless of what broader group you're a part of, um, you, you are an individual person. So you got your own views and how you see the world. So some people. <coughs> have lived many years on this planet and in this country and genuinely believe that Donald Trump is like was a man of honesty and integrity and compassion for others without a racist thought in his mind now why people believe that I, I have no idea you, you know um, for, for me as, as a person because of my age and how old I was when the Central Park Five incident happened uh, and then Donald Trump's New York Times ad that one stuck and then if, if you, you you know learn about Trump fairly early on and you, you learn you, you see that on the news Donald Trump is demanding that the five teenagers accused of a crime be executed before they've even been convicted and later it's found that they didn't actually do it. But the reason that he's absolutely positive they're guilty is because of what they look like. He never apologizes for it. And he, and post that incident, he, there's a wide variety of sort of clearly and obviously racist things that he does, says. And then the, uh, you know, the birther thing that went on during the Barack Obama presidency. That was, yeah, it was, it was blatant racism that was trying to pretend to be legitimate. Um... No, it was racism. That's that's what it was about. He didn't want a black man to be president. No. You know, I, th I think... It's a chance to move forward. You know? Uh, that's, that's what we get to do now. We get to have some adults uh, running the executive branch. Uh, adults who are going to pick other adults. You know, you know, decent, hard-working people. Is every one of them going to be perfect? No, of course not. Is there going to be the same ratio of sort of corrupt scoundrels and whatnot that there was under the Trump regime? Well, no, of course not. You know, Trump just nominated and picked a bunch of people that gave him money. And again, that drain the swamp thing meant the exact opposite of what people actually thought it meant. It drain the swamp actually meant rid the government of public servants in the truest sense of the word. People who are servants to the American public. They sacrifice lots of money in order to devote their lives to country. They could make more money doing something else, but instead they work in government to protect the interests of the people. Donald Trump got rid of those kinds of people. You know, Lieutenant Colonel Vindman, you know, literally sacrificed part of his body for country. Doesn't make crap tons of money. He's not in it for the money. He's in it for devotion to country. 
his career gets ruined under Trump. What kind of people do well under Trump? Vindictive, corrupt, self-serving, wealthy people. They did very well. You know, and so that's the kind of people he filled his government with. How do we how do we see through the bullshit next time? You know? How do we find a way to get some direct messaging to the folks that are gobbling up, you know, Fox News and Breitbart and InfoWars hours and hours a day. Just just flooding the senses with BS. How do we get them away from that? You know, what is the way? Because that is a huge part of why so many people voted Trump is they're getting bad information. And they refuse to believe that the information is bad. And it's not just Fox News, it's also Sinclair Broadcasting, local affiliate. It's a conservative news organization that owns hundreds of local affiliates throughout the country, not just one specific broadcaster either. You know, not just ABC or NBC or CBS that they're affiliated with. They, they, they got all of them. They got a bunch. Um, in some cases, they might have all of the local affiliates in one city. Um, and it's, you know, sort of mild propaganda more subtle propaganda you know it looks like normal local news but if you watch it enough and especially if you come in as an outsider like i don't really watch local news much but when i do and it's like sinclair como news in seattle is a sinclair broadcasting station it's the one my parents still watch to this day even though it wasn't sinclair broadcasting 20 years ago or whatever um, they continue to watch it, even though it's it's not the same. It has the same name, but it's it's not it's not the same ethos, not the same uh, journalistic integrity or whatever. And people want to trust local news, but that's the thing with Sinclair Broadcasting. It's not a local news station, not really. You know, it's a big national company that owns local affiliates, so it's more like a franchise. You know, your local news should be covered, reported by, produced by people locally. You, you know, it, like an independently owned local news network. Um, that if it's affiliated some way with ABC, CBS, NBC, this means it's on that channel. And that's, that's fine. But that's not really what's happening with a lot of local news throughout the country. And that's the kind of stuff that a lot of people are going to even be more trustworthy of. That stuff that they're hearing from their local newscasters. What's going on right here? But it's all going to have kind of a tilt toward favoring Republican Party interests and sort of vilifying Democratic interests. You know, um, it's not just going to be presenting information. This bill was will, will passed, and th these are what's the details of the bill type thing these bills were passed in the house none of them are being passed in the senate you know um or you know th this is the local initiative in your town and it's for it's to do x you know it's to raise rates on whatever and it's going to raise money to build a public school are they just presenting the information or are they trying to give an opinion on it and trying to make you think that it's bad you know, that's not, you know, the local news is just to present the information. So what's the local, what are the initiatives on the ballot or whatever? And what are they for? And you can say people who are 
you can't be like telling people what to think. You know, that's not really the, shouldn't really be the job of the news, but. <clears throat> so I don't know. Um, you know, there's optimism. You know, we're, we can be averted fascism, thank goodness, but a lot of people voted for it. And they have various justifications as to either A, why they think fascism is good, or B, why they think that Donald Trump's fascism isn't fascism. And that's basically the kind of arguments you're going to get. You know, what he represented was fascism. Um, people can buy, be naive and, you know, put their head in the sand and pretend that's not what he represented, but it is. You know, that's just what it, that, that type of government is called fascism corrupt, catering to the interests of the wealthy, threatening violence towards anyone that speaks out, limiting free speech, limiting religion, and, um, you know, racism. It is a big part of it, a demonizing, a vilifying of the other, creating division and tension within a society, and then using force to suppress any sort of vocal dissent. Yeah, and then extremely corrupt and catering to the interests of the wealthy. All those are aspects of fascism. You know, sort of um, taking hold of certain symbols and sort of claiming them as your own is another big part of it, and that was certainly a big part of Trump's thing. So, now that he's on his way out, you know, what if... Um, the thing is, for me, it's not that it's, not that it's also tempered um, optimism, because you know, Joe, Joe Biden's a moderate. Joe, Joe Biden is not a socialist, not even kind of. He's not even in the ballpark. Uh, he, he is a moderate Democrat. Uh, very moderate. Middle of the road. Um, yeah. So, um, I don't really... He has a plan to get health care as a, as a right. Yeah, that, that, that's not socialism. I, I don't... I don't know what... I don't know what the deal is with that, with people that are... No, the only people who should get health care are the people who have lots of money. Why? You know, that, that's dumb. And then the same people will kind of support socialism for the wealthy, like creating all kinds of special tax breaks and stuff and being able to avoid taxes for years. Those are kind of things that only wealthy people have. It's sort of, it's sort of a socialism for the wealthy. You're born wealthy, but you're horrible at running a company. So we're going to create a provision that allows you to avoid paying taxes for 20 years simply because you're so shitty at running a company. Now, if you're poor and running a company badly, you're probably not going to be able to avoid taxes for decades because it wouldn't be a big enough number that you lost. The only reason you're going to lose that much money is because you already had that much money. You know, why did, why did Trump already have that much money? Because he was born with it as a birthright. And he blew it. He blew it away. You know, that was his choice to do that. He made poor business decisions. The idea that that gets to allow him to avoid paying taxes on future revenues for many, many years, this seems kind of crazy, you know, and then claiming a 70-something million dollar re tax refund. He's been audited for that, and it may very well be that he committed tax fraud. That guy... It's going to be very difficult to explain this era to, like, kids when they're older and grandkids and stuff, you know, like, what the, what the heck happened, you know, because I'm hoping and praying that this is just a minor weird blip and we averted it and, uh, you know, 
the MAGA crowd will slowly start coming to, the, maybe not the diehard MAGAs, they're, they're going to kind of be this kind of steady drumbeat of conspiracy theory nonsense and QAnon stuff and whatever the fuck, and they, they may never snap out of it. But I think a lot of the kind of regular conservative folk, you know, might see the need to uh, kind of change direction a little bit reinvent the Republican Party. One thing to keep in mind, although uh, Biden won, the Senate is still going to be controlled most likely by the Republicans, and the Senate Majority Leader is most likely going to continue to be one Mitch McConnell, a former Marine fighter pilot, ran against him, um, but still lost pretty badly. And she was pretty moderate, uh, not pro really progressive at all, uh, which is probably why there wasn't a real inspiring push for her in the primary. She did win her primary, but, you know, it was kind of lackluster turnout. Just kind of another politician. Obviously, she's better than Mitch McConnell. You know, she was a brain fighter pilot. You know, that's the... Yeah. And just more moderate, you know. Um, not going to be a person that just blocks every bill that gets passed in the House. You know, hundreds of bills passed in the House. Don't see the light of the day in the Senate because Mitch McConnell doesn't bring him to the floor. You know, um, I w one thing I think would be cool is the Senate Majority Leader should be approved of by the people or something. You know, you have you basically you leave it to the people. All the senators who are interested, you know, the currently serving senators who are interested in being the Senate Majority Leader, they run for it, and the people pick. Yeah, it, it, it's. This weird thing where, because the reality is some states have like more weight to them or something, you know, like, um, you know, how many millions of people live in California? What's the millions that live in Kentucky, Wyoming? You know, all, all the states have wildly very different populations, but there's only two senators per state. The idea that the, you know, it's bad enough that the majority party is controlled by a group representing a smaller percentage of the people. But that's just how the Senate goes. You know, there's a certain number of states that just aren't aren't that populated. There's not a lot of people there. Now, they're called red states, but one of my old friends on Facebook posted this picture that's like, it actually shows what the populations are in those various areas. And in reality, a lot of those red states, it's just land. You know, with little, tiny little towns here and there, and then maybe like a couple cities uh, over in the corner or something. But most of it, like Wyoming, North Dakota, Nevada. In Nevada, you have Reno and Vegas, and and, and that's it. And then a bunch of tiny little towns scattered around in between, but vast, vast just land. You know, Eastern Oregon, land, predominantly. You know, Idaho, in the central huge parts of Idaho, land, you know, Montana, you got a few good-sized towns along the uh, I-90 corridor, uh, and then north and south of that, a lot of land and very small towns, you know, etc., etc. There's big swaths of just area uh, that when you look at on the map and they show it on the Electoral College, it makes it look like it's just a big mass of support for Republican Party. No, not, not really. No, it's just, there's not that many people there. And the ones that are there, 
um, you know, pretty decent, overwhelming percentage that go Republican, about 65-70%. Not 100%, you know, but a higher percentage. But, you know, if you add up all those kind of rural states with smaller populations, they tend to tend to vote red. Um, you know, and there's two senators for each of those states. California is a big, massive popular state. Tons of Republicans in California, tons of Democrats. Uh, usually the Democrats win pretty handily. Uh, Washington, Oregon, same deal. Um, each of those states just two, two senators. So there's, there's got to be some way where the people have some kind of say in who the Senate Majority Leader is. Um, the Senate Majority Leader is an immense amount of power. Um, you know, crazy amount of power. Like, and, and simply, and I think because, like, the Senate is not, like, it's not the, the people's house or whatever. It's, you know, each state gets two, no matter what, no matter the size, population. So there has to be some way to kind of re- you know, reinsert the people's approval into who the Senate Majority Leader is. Have various, and one thing I think is the Senate Majority Leader should just be a senator that becomes Senate Majority Leader, regardless of what their political affiliation is. You know, basically, I think, so in other words, say there's 55 Republican senators, and or I think it's like 5149 or something like that right now. A slight edge. The the senators that are interested in being the majority leader would declare themselves as such, and then there'd be a vote of the people. All registered voters would get the chance to confirm which senator they want to be the majority leader. That would have the power to bring bills to the table or bring bills to the Senate to the floor that have been passed in the House. Now, does the majority party still have a, a control? Well, yeah, but they would have to be on the record, you know, in other words. So the Senate Majority Leader, their job would be to bring bills to the Senate floor that have passed in the House. That's really kind of their main job, which bills to bring, but not just not bringing any bills, which is what Mitch McConnell does. Your job is to bring bills to the floor and vote on bills and vote on measures make changes to them and such if you need to but yeah that that's that's their job and they haven't really been doing it so there's got to be a way to kind of get the people more involved so maybe the senate majority leader is actually you know maybe a democrat possibly while the senate is controlled by the republicans other those republicans can control there's a vote down vote no on every bill that that democratic senator brings to the floor sure but then they're their no is on the record. You know, it's on the record. A lot of times they avoid having no's on the record by just not even bringing a bill to the floor. Um, and then you can also have the opposite, where maybe the Republican... where the majority leader is a Republican, but the, somehow the Democrats have control. You know, maybe like nationally, you know, there's a lot of support for a particular senator. Um, and so they win the majority. And, uh, you know, I mean, I don't know. This is, we got to come up with some different ways to do the Senate. It, it's, it's a quagmire. It, it's, um, it's, it's real clunky. 
it's one thing when there's only 13 states uh, and it's the 18th century uh, you know and the population is whatever it is way back then it's another thing when it's the 21st century we have 50 states and there's a huge massive variance in some of these states you know you have some states that whose whole population is less than you know the third biggest city in another state you know like that just seems a little askew but that's kind of the, the thing is these sort of conflicting views of government we, we've been trying to balance these since the beginning the view that preserving of the republic preserving of the estates preserving of the way of life of those that are already in power power versus protecting the interests of the people the democracy the senate is not a democracy it's not it's it's a preserving of the republic you know that's more what it's about you know each state gets to what is a state it's the people living in a particular area as defined by these borders that are in many cases completely imaginary but to the, the Republican Senate it's like a specific thing you know a lot of time it, it, it's a certain idea that must be preserved and it's not so much the people living in there it's you know the structures it's the you know the affluent lifestyle of of those most wealthy in that particular state it's the sort of you know things that certain people have at the upper ends have become most accustomed to and kind of preserving those preserving the status quo and that's kind of preserves the republic or something I don't know Senate doesn't make much sense to me. I, d I don't really like it. There's three branches of government. I, I think it would make sense if the, the legislative branch was purely a, a big body of people from throughout the country representing various areas of the country. Yeah. That, that, why the Senate? You know, and, and then if you're going to do Senate, it's got to be, it just, it doesn't make sense, you know, especially when because you can get, because I think the thing is you can only do so much with like someone like Mitch McConnell. You know, he got another victory in Kentucky. He's in his what whatever twentieth term or some shit. Who knows? Um, he's been a senator from Kentucky since I was in elementary school. I'm forty years old. He won by you know ten points or something. He got like fifty-five percent of the vote. It's not like he's like massively popular there. Outside of Kentucky, he's he's one of the least respected senators there is. You know, he, he he's a he's a bad human being. <laughs> he's not a good person. Um, he does have a certain political survival mechanism that he can kick in when uh, certain associations he has might be politically disadvantageous for him. You know, uh, so he did kind of speak out against Trump's nonsense about trying to uh, contest the election sort of, you know, just enough to kind of make it seem like he is you know, wanting to represent people's interests but that's not really why he's in politics he, he's in politics because of power and money and to benefit those that have, uh, you know given him money and to kind of preserve the status quo, to prevent progress. Bills are passed in the House those bills are passed by people representing 
the people who have been voted in by the American citizens. He doesn't even have the respect to bring them to the floor. Yeah. You know, why? Because it, it would mean progress. It, it may mean that those in the affluent class might have to compete harder to maintain their position. You know, they might have to actually work for it a little bit. Maybe. Is that their fear? I, I don't know. You know, you raise the tax rate on the wealthy. What does that mean to the wealthy? As far as their way of life? Not really much. Not really much at all. Um, future generations of the wealthy? There might be a change. You know, you might not be able to just hand wealth on from one generation to the other without any generation ever working. That may become more difficult if you have a wealth tax and a state tax. Oh, bummer. You're going to have to actually get a job. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, most of us work jobs, and uh, a lot of jobs I've worked have been not the most exciting, but you got to do what you got to do. I like being able to eat and have a place to stay. And unfortunately, I wasn't born into a life of affluence, so I couldn't just, uh, you know, get a quote-unquote job, you know, working for my daddy wearing a suit every day and have a nice office where I make phone calls and talk to reporters and watch TV all day and get a couple hundred thousand a month to do it. That's the kind of stuff that Donald Trump got, you know. He was able to get into a nice school even though he was stupid and then was able to go to a elite business school even though he was stupid. Um, and that's why he's never released his grades or transcripts or anything like that because, you know, he got into those things and was able to graduate and stuff like that because of the financial connections that he had. Yeah. And he was able to get a good job right out of college working for his father because his father was wealthy and had a big empire. And he was able to afford a nice salary right out of the gate because his father was wealthy. And that's, you know, that's, that's what he did. He, he didn't really have to work. He's never really worked a day in his life. He's been wearing a suit since he was, you know, 17, 18 years old. You know, that's all he does is just wear a suit all the time. So, um, 24-7, unless he's golfing or possibly playing tennis. It's just a little more rare. His physical exertion is golf. Boy. I could, uh, but the hopeful thing is probably a little bit further down the line because, again, don't, uh, Joe Biden is not a uh, progressive or anything, but progressive. That's what I identify as, not a socialist. And uh, when you hear progressive and you hear universal health care, universal basic income, free education, if your mind immediately goes to socialism, What do you mean by that? Do, do you mean that everyone makes the same amount of money? Because that's not what it is. It's sort of, we already pay taxes, and we've been paying taxes since this country was a country. What does that money go to is, is, more, the, is more the question. What are we using the money for? So, if you cry socialism, that means that you would prefer the money that's taken out of your check goes to make sure that a wealthy white guy goes golfing instead of building a school or a hospital. Huh. But, you know, that seems kind of odd. You know, the money's already been raised. We already raise taxes. That I mean, there are... We already collect taxes. That's, that's part of living in a, you know, a first world society. Yeah. So we've already been doing that. 
some of that money that we collected went straight into the pockets of Donald Trump and some of the people that gave him money. Yeah. When Donald Trump goes golfing at Mar-a-Lago with Secret Service and all that, we paid for that. Yeah. So that money's already there, you know. Um, yeah, we could probably <laughs> close some of those loopholes that the wealthy have so there's not as much money just pouring out of the economy and directly into the hands of, you know, virtually infinitely wealth, wealthy people. People with virtually infinite wealth. People with a level of wealth that's so tremendous and stupendous. They could spend massive amounts and it wouldn't really make a difference. You know, it would, it would, it's kind of like the movie Brewster's Millions with Richard Pryor and John Candy way back in the 80s, a classic. Um, Richard Pryor inherits, character inherits a ton of money from this, from a great-grandfather, great-uncle or something, who was actually a white guy. And the deal is, he can either take one million, and that's it, or he can, he has this deal where if he spends... I forget how much it is, but if he spends every penny of this other amount in in a month, 30 days, and is, has a zero to his name at the end, then he'll be allowed to inherit the full big amount of like a hundred million. That's that's one thing I remember about that movie too. Is like I think I'm pretty sure the amount is something like that, like a hundred million, a stupendous, massive amount, and 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 that's the amount in this movie. You know. Donald Trump inherited 400 million. So, but it, as Rich Pryor's character start, uh, takes the big option, um, he realizes that it's actually pretty difficult. If you start out with a ton of money, you know, like say 10 million or whatever, I forget what the amount that he had to spend in 30 days is. Maybe it was 30 million, so he had to like average a million a day in spending, is very difficult. And in fact, some of the money he spends, he inadvertently, you know, makes money off of. He, he earns interest. It, it, it comes back. That's invariably going to happen when you have that kind of money and you're just kind of throwing it around. You're going to buy, you know, assets that can later be sold or possibly even a appreciating asset, you know, if you, certainly if you buy a home. But if you're like trying, if you're trying to blow through... 30 million in a short period of time it's somewhat difficult if you're you know especially if you're like a normal person and you, you know you just kind of because you're you're going to spend a ton of it you know say you say you have to spend 30 million in a month you know, you'd spend a four or five million dollars and you know that then you know you're still going to have a ton left and how, how do you spend all that money without um, accruing assets? And so what Richard Pryor's character does is he ends up running for president to try to burn through the money more quickly because campa presidential campaigns cost a lot of money, all the ads that you pay for and all that kind of stuff. So you can burn through money pretty quick. And that helps him kind of burn through money faster so that he can go be zero before... Uh, you know, the uh, the end of the deadline, so they can hopefully inherit the the big amount. What happens? I don't know. You gotta watch it to find out.
but like that's the kind of but there's people that have that that kind of money that's that's the kind of virtually infinite wealth where it's it it it's like a task to to almost try to get rid of it like it's difficult because any amount you spend you end up just acquiring some kind of asset that has value and you're you know your overall net worth either just kind of stays the same or barely has any effect so that that's the particular group that people like Mitch McConnell, Donald Trump, and the Republican Party in general is really focused on protecting the interest of those virtually infinitely wealthy people that have virtually infinite wealth. It, it's it's never going away. But that's the group that they're really focused on and worried about, and that's the group they're really worried is just going to suddenly become poor if they have a slightly higher tax rate that goes to maintain. Uh, hospitals, you know, maintain roads and bridges that people drive over, uh, maintain the electric grid, you know, maintain schools that we send our children to, and to also get the initial funding of some sort of universal basic income for regular people. Um, after you get the in universal basic in income initially funded, do you have just some sort of small marginal tax on? Well, any transaction or just certain specific transactions? Sure. Some that's so negligible that people don't even notice it when they're paying it. But yeah, a tenth of a percent. A tenth of a percent. That's, that's the easiest way to do it. Uh, one penny in a, out of every ten dollars. No one's going to notice paying that. You know, most, most people... You know, if you go buy a grocery, and then it, it wouldn't be a, there wouldn't be any tax on food. That tax would not apply to food. It would only be like sort of non-essential products, and it would be a tenth of a percent tax. Money raised from that would go to help fund the universal dividend, and that's the main thing. And refer to the universal basic basic income as universal dividend. It's a dividend. Here's a perk because you're living in this country and you're participating in this economy. How do we know you're participating in this economy? Well, because you're a human being living in this country, so therefore you're participating in the economy. Yeah, you're, you're either paying rent, you're buying food, you're, you're spending money. Um, so yeah, it would probably have to be that you have to have a place to send the money to. So um, if you don't have that, we'll figure some way for you to collect it, I guess, or something. Uh, and then what are you gonna do with it? Oh, well, you're gonna spend it, yeah. And what are the people going to do that collect that money? They're going to pay taxes, possibly hire more people if they if the business, you know, expands or whatever. Are there more small business opportunities with universal dividend? Sure, but you know, you get the funding from that going by just a kind of a a more obvious sensible tax on the, on the wealthy, and then you get to fund free education, healthcare. So you got, you know, free education, meaning most children in this country go to public schools. And then uh, when you graduate from high school, you got to start borrowing money if you want to continue to go to school. It's just a weird custom that we've just allowed to continue because it's like tradition. Well, if you want to continue to live your life as you know it, uh, you need to borrow $50,000. Uh wait, what, you know, um, you need to go into debt, a debt that you're never going to pay off, 
and is only going to balloon in the mount. When I graduated from college, my debt was just over 50000 Now it's over 70000 Well, as of like a year ago. <laughs> Shit, it might be close to six figures by now. Who, who fucking knows? I mean, it, it's like an imaginary number at this point. You know, I borrowed money from the federal government to continue going to school, to continue living my life as I knew it. All I knew was school, obviously. It, like most people, when, when they graduated high school, that's all I'd done is school. During the summer, I would do odd jobs here and there, you know. Um, but yeah, I, I was... I didn't have an extensive work experience besides, uh, prior to graduating high school, it was, you know, mowing lawns, moving furniture here and there a few times, and, like, babysitting and stuff. That's it. I mean, that, that's, that was my job experience when I graduated high school. So, obviously, I had to keep going to school. <laughs> you know, uh, I needed more education to learn more about the world. And I did. Went to school for seven more years. But those seven years cost a lot of money. I know I didn't become a doctor or anything like that, or even get a master's. That was, I was two classes short of a double major, uh, but I just ran out of financial aid. Um, so I just had to stop going. Once I got my marketing degree, finished my marketing degree, I was going to keep going one more quarter to get a management double major in marketing and management, but ran out of financial aid, so I had to stop. Would life be much different if I had graduated with a double major, marketing and management? I, I don't know. It is, it's two separate certificates, I think. I think they give you a certificate for management, or is it just one certificate with both majors on there? I forget, but, you know, um, that would have been cool to have a double major. Would it have made it easier? To, and obviously, if I had graduated with some big massive debt, I would have just, you know, I would have still jumped into the workforce, but then probably would have gone back to school a little more quickly and got my master's, you know, or a bachelor's into something totally unrelated. Why not? You know, what's the negative of more people getting an education? What is the negative exactly? You know, we're already funding these schools, so let's just fund them better. So, yeah, you graduate high school, you want to keep going to school? You can, you can apply to one of the many publicly funded universities. And if you're accepted, then you can start going. Now, where are you going to live and stuff like that? I mean, with the universal basic income, it's a, it's a basic income. So it's probably not going to be enough to live off entirely. But when you're in college, you're going to school full time, you can kind of get a bunch of people to stay at all one big house or something or whatever. I lived a good portion of my time at Eastern Washington University in the Sigma New House. So I'm a Sigma Nu and, you know, joined a fraternity when I got to Eastern, and that was a very fun experience. Most of my time I lived at that chapter house, lived in the dorm for a little while when I first got to Eastern, and then a couple different dorms when I was at Central for a year. But then, uh, you know, eventually had kind of a other house, old house I got to live in for a little while, rent was cheap, a little more privacy, which was cool. But lived pretty meagerly during college. I, I, I wasn't, you know, wasn't making tons of money, you know, very minimal money. I mostly just had a summer job working as a camp counselor. And then one year I was uh, on student government, which paid the cost of tuition, or paid a wage equal to the cost of tuition, um, which was cool. But, you know, most of my time in college, I was just kind of, you know, 
just living very simply, you know, didn't have a lot of stuff. So, I mean, free education is not socialism. It's just free education is free education. You know, it, it's a, it's, it's a benefit to you as an American citizen. If you choose not to take that benefit, that's your choice. You know, but I think that's what it is, is there's a lot of people that don't want to go to the doctor when they need to. They don't want to get more education. You know, they don't want to care about global warming. So programs that focus on those things they think are stupid or whatever. And so they'll just find some kind of thing to say that's sort of like, oh, it's socialism. But again, when you call 911, you know, someone answers and they'll send fire department, police department, paramedic, depending on what your situation is. Yeah, that, that's socialism. You were driven on the interstate freeway system. Yeah, that that's socialism. You know, you ever flown in a plane? Yeah, that plane was inspected and approved by by the FAA. There's certain guidelines with how you know thousands of planes all flying in the air at the same time. You really want that to be privately funded? You, you really want the coordinating and the air traffic control and all that kind of thing and all the sort of rules and regulations of thousands of planes flying in the air all at the same time to be privately funded? Corporate? Um, no. <laughs> that would be kind of dumb. That would be really stupid. So that's also socialism too. The FAA and things like that. The FDA. Do you really trust corporations to just do the right thing? Even if they're making food? To not you know, take take shortcuts, you, you know, and to just kind of look the other way when they're making something and allow certain things to go in there and have certain things going on in their factory that, yeah. So the FDA is not perfect, but it does sort of inspect things like that. Um, yeah. So socialism is more, basic idea of socialism is when you pay taxes, those taxes going to cover the cost of something that's beneficial to society, you know, as a whole. A lot of the people that are anti-socialist, what they approve of is socialism for the wealthy. So, in other words, we all pay taxes. Instead of using that money to invest in things that benefit all of us, let's lose that money to you know, allow a wealthy white guy to go golfing at a golf resort that he owns. Let's do that instead. So, a lot of the people in this country support that latter option more, even if they themselves are not wealthy. It's very confusing, you know. If we're, again, we're already collecting the taxes. Taxes are already being collected and have been for over 200 years. It costs money to have a society. Anarchy does not work, <laughs> so no, we can't have no taxes. That, that that's not an option. Okay, I, I, I get that you you don't want to pay anything. No, that that doesn't work. It it doesn't. You can't have a complete, especially the country of this size, with the amount of sheer number of people and the varying views. You can't have a absolute laissez-faire approach to the economy. You cannot. Laissez-faire means idle hand, which really means 
the government does nothing to intervene in the economy and anything that can be privatized is uh, no that 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 that's no good that doesn't work especially a country of our size the only purely capitalist society in the world really is uh, the Vatican and that is it any other country has certain elements of you know taxing or socialism or something like that within it um, to kind of because just because of the sheer size you know, the Vatican is like basically like a, a city-state or whatever you know it, it's it's within that compound in Rome whatever anyway so um, yeah I mean you, you know you know the money that's already been taken out of your taxes so we're, for working class people I think the the key thing to get some of these progressive things going is that you have to avoid raising taxes on any of the people in the from the zero percentile to like the 80th there's not really any justification for raising regular people's taxes um, they're already probably paying too much as it is but the upper echelons and and fuck percentage or and, and, and screw the like the to what the total amount that they paid in is who cares you know what what's your net income if you're at that upper ends of the socioeconomic ladder what's your net income okay fuck off with the I'm paying eight million dollars in taxes right your net income was 17 million or something oh, okay then, then shut up like you know like you get it everyone thinks that they're self-made and they worked hard all by themselves and they didn't have any help to get where they are and everything a lot of people on the upper ends truly and genuinely believe that now it's all bullshit and we all know that but it's like we allow them to play to this fantasy Mark Zuckerberg is a self-made billionaire no, he's, he's not. He had a good idea and worked with many other people to create a thing. And that thing is not just run by him. I mean, there's lots of all kinds of people that work at Facebook to make that company run. But because he was the main guy that initially got it going way back in the day, he gets the bulk of the financial benefit from it. Massive amounts of money that have come his way. Billions, thousands of millions. Each billion is a thousand millions. So we tax people like that a little bit better. We get some of that excess that's just flowing to a small handful of people. Just this stupendous amounts of money that's beyond ridiculous. It's just, it's insane. You know, how much does one person need to own, you know, before we, have, we can say, hey, that's a bit much. Free education health care as a right investment in infrastructure meaning the roads and bridges that you drive over are safe the bridge that you drive over say in Wisconsin isn't gonna um, you know fall down or Minnesota or something you know this happened a few years ago it wasn't really that long ago but we have short memories in this country you know so yeah you invest to make sure that the things are that we need to use are working properly and aren't going to fall apart as we're using them. That would be good. Yeah. Uh, you know, and a universal basic income based off of a freedom dividend. Yeah. So we hear about all the time about, hey, the, you know, the macro economy went up 
2.6%, GDP went up 2.6%, Dow Jones Industrial Average went up X. How does all that stuff, what does all that stuff mean for the vast, vast majority of working class people? Nothing. Uh, it means many of them are going to keep working. But that, that's it. That, that, yeah, that they'll, they'll, they'll just keep working. Their lives don't really improve necessarily. Um, but yeah, they, do, they don't really have more or anything. You know, GDP went up 6.7%, like a crazy jump. What does that mean for you making $42,000 a year working in a call center? Uh, nothing. It doesn't mean anything. It, yeah, you're not getting a pay raise beyond just the normal annual raise, and even getting that is probably going to be difficult at times. You know, you probably have to, if you're working for a big enough corporation, you probably have to really finagle to try to get that raise that, that you know, even keeps up with the rate of inflation. Over time, if, you know, the corporation's been slow enough on raises and stuff, your wage and salary after five years might actually be cost-adjusted even lower than what it was when you started because inflation is real. You know, there's a general rising of prices and stuff over time. I think a potion stamp back in the 1970s, I think it was 11 or 13 cents. Now it's up to, what is it up to? Man, up, up, it was 47 I can't remember, but anyway, and then you know, just other stuff like cars and stuff like too. Then the average price of a car and things. You know, there's, there's a general rise in the cost of things, price of things over time. That's inflation. Um, when it shoots up too short a time, it's hyperinflation. Um, so, you, you, universal basic income and stuff like that, freedom. It's a way to kind of it helps kind of offset that kind of stuff. It, it smooths some of the edges. You wouldn't be able to live entirely off the universal basic income. I mean, most people wouldn't. Someone like me, I, I probably could. I could probably do this fine, just because I, I don't really want or need lots of stuff, and that's kind of the, been my problem as a career journeyman worker. I'm not really motivated to live in a big fucking house. I'm, I'm not going to bust my ass just to have a mansion. I, I don't want a mansion. I, I, it's not appealing to me. I've spent time in mansions. They're real neat, but I, I don't, I don't, I don't want one. <laughs> you know, I'd be just as fine with a single wide trailer on like a half an acre somewhere. You know, but how do you work just enough to get something like that, or work hard but not with the goal of some money, money thing? You know, I, I don't really, I don't really need a big fucking house. You know, or a big ass boat. But the people that do want those things, they gobble up tons and tons of resources getting those things. So you end up sort of having to compete with those kind of people, even though you're not even trying for the same goal. I just want a decent place and have enough food to eat and be able to, you know, travel around, see my kids whenever I want, and, you know, like, have fun, enjoy life. That, that, that's it. I don't, I don't really want lots of shit, you know, but whatever. But thank goodness we're at the closing stretch of the Trump thing. It's winding down. Hip hip hooray. January, I think it is, inauguration day. So stay safe out there. We have a bright future ahead of us. This is Gary. God bless.
的なのは。